This is the EWN Podcast Network. This is the third part of our three-part series on cabinetry, construction, sources, and style. To hear the first two parts, go to www.fromdisastertodreamhome.com. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. Welcome back, home builders and remodelers. Allison Solar, our kitchen and bath design expert, goes back and forth with me a bit about our feelings about framed cabinetry versus frameless cabinetry. Our favorite options may differ with this important decision about the selection of our cabinet style, but when we talk about the shaker door style, we are in complete agreement. Check this out. Now, speaking of construction methods, there are two really um, specific differences in the kinds of cabinetry your clients are going to choose throughout the house, not just in the kitchen. One is the European style frameless or the traditional frame cabinetry. Um, the choice of that makes a big difference in terms of, uh, of the look and the approach. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences between those? The first one I'm going to say is the look. When you have a frameless cabinet, the doors are usually an eighth of an inch from the edge or a quarter of an inch from the edge. A very, very tight. Almost imperceptible imperceptible so yeah. the doors on a frameless cabinet are going to be much when you have two cabinets and you put them together the doors are going to be very close together and it has a, a more of a sleeker contemporary look where you have the framed cabinets has different overlays of the doors and Typically, they're a quarter of an inch from the edge, or you could have a half inch overlay. You have your different standard overlays. So if I was to look at a kitchen and not know whether it's framed or frameless, the first thing I could see to differentiation between the two would be the tightness of the seam between the door to door and drawers and doors. So you see more of the frame and the frameless, which tends to be more traditional and less you don't see hardly because there is no frame on frameless it's mm -hmm. it's just that three quarter inch box material so it's it looks different but you can have the same door style on same box you know same right. door style on two right. doesn't matter mm -hmm. yeah so so choosing between euro style and traditional um which uh, Actually, the, the definitions of those is Euro style is be, was much more prevalent in Europe for many years before becoming something that we've been using here in the States. And traditional can also be called the American frame cabinet because 
it's been around since early you know 1900s, the turn of the century. And it was originally um, a better, an, an easier construction method because the frame added some structure. But now as materials themselves have strengthened, there's much more um, stability in the Euro style than there, than there might have been were that not the case. So it's become more prevalent. I've always been a fan of the Euro style frameless cabinetry because it has a cleaner look, as you said, and because it takes advantage of every usable and, um, inch of the kitchen. There's nothing that's going to get in the way uh, where the frame, the existence of the frame takes up space and in the upper cabinets, there's frequently a style, you know, a post in the middle where both doors come and, and it stops both doors. Whereas in a Euro uh, frame cabinetry, you can open both those doors and you have that whole shelf all the way through because the box itself is usually made with a heavier duty material. And so structurally, it can take the weight of those hinges on the door. So, um, you can achieve, as you said, you know, a similar look because the of the um, door styles can be the same. Uh, but what are your, you know, what are your preferences? Do you have preferences to uh, framed versus unframed? I like framed. Really? I like framed as a designer because I can do things like extended style and included style and I actually, this is my experience with the frameless. When I worked at Home Depot, when I started my career back in the 90s, all the customer, I can't tell you how many customers would come into the kitchen department with a hinge. Those, a frameless cabinet has a different hinge. Right. So the hinge and a frameless cabinet is more often than not going to be on a particle board box. And what happens is the particle board is not fibers. It's little, little speckles of wood with glue. And the door hinges would break and pop off. And I would have more people coming to me with a broken Euro hinge mm -hmm. than any other hinge. Mm -hmm. And you can't, it's not, you can't just buy a hinge like that. If you go, if you show the consumer the, the hinges, you've got hundreds of hinge styles. So the hinges always broke on the frameless mm -hmm. or they would pop out of the particle board box. And people would say, I keep gluing it in. I keep gluing it in. But you can't just keep gluing it in. You got to. Yeah, you can't glue metal to melamine. You, you can't yeah. keep screwing um, it in the particle board because it's full. So I like a frame because it's in solid wood. Uh-huh. That's what I like. Well, yeah, that's interesting because we um, we differ in that. Although I love, you know, a frame cabinet, if I'm doing um, a turn of the century home or a home from the 20s, maybe even up through the 50s, and there's plenty of room, so I'm not worried about, you know, losing any space, a, a frame cabinet can be a truly charming thing. And, um, but now, I think it's just like the other technological changes that make things uh, easier now than they were, you know, years ago. Um, if the cabinetry is wood or um, a really strong um, uh, MDF or melamine, it, it, you know, then it can really, it can handle it. And I don't think that we have as many of those uh, hinge issues as, as we used to, especially if it's a custom made cabinet with wood. Um, but that does bring up the hinge question. Um, there, which decision, 
with the decision between frameless and frame cabinetry comes hidden versus applied hinges. Uh, we want to either see them for charm or we don't want to see them for cleaner lines. Um, what are the options for hinges? We have. Um, well, you have your uh, frameless hinge, which is going to be that concealed cup hinge, they'll call it, or Euro hinge, um, or where you get to see the hinges really in your framed cabinets. And that would really be in like a standard overlay or really, I'd say nowadays that most of the cabinets are going to be inset cabinets or full overlay cabinets. Mm -hmm. And when you have that inset cabinet, that's where you really have the option to see the hinges. And um, you can get the hinges in different colors. Mm -hmm. Let, let's say you have an inset white cabinet and you're doing all oil rub bronze finishes. You can have all your hinges in oil rub bronze. Mm -hmm. You can pick the hinge. Do you want a finial tip? Do you want a ball tip? And those, those type of hinges actually open up the, the, the widest. You're going to get a full swing of open on a, um, an exposed hinge. So with the hinges also comes degrees of opening. And that's another differentiator, semi-custom versus custom. Semi-custom might have a hinge that opens 109 degrees and a custom cabinet's going to have one that opens 145 degrees. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. So... That's why hinges alone are a very complicated um, mechanism that goes into the cabinetry. Same way that the draw slides this are, this are complicated. What I think the most people want nowadays is the soft close. Everything yeah. has to be soft yeah. close. Uh -huh. And on an exposed hinge, they, they're not soft closed. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So that would actually make a big difference in terms of uh, someone deciding it's the look, but the fun the form and function, as you said at the very beginning. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I was making so many decisions when I did my own house that I actually, you know, maybe for budget reasons, maybe because I was just not thinking that day, I did not go for the soft close in my own kitchen cabinets. And because I use the drawers in my lower cabinets for heavy things and they have heavy, heavy slides, but they still wanted to drift open. And I actually now have a little magnet system, which is fantastic. But, um, but talk about the, you know, soft clothes becoming part of the industry. What, how long have they been an, a factor and how popular have you found those? Well, I got to tell you, we I, it used to be the full extension hinges that were the big rage. It was like, look, it's no longer it's not, like yeah. a, it's, it's a full extension, full extension. And then, it, you know, because you always got to make it something better and better and better. And they were like, full extension, ooh, soft clothes. So somebody created soft clothes. <laughs> um, everybody has it now. Soft clothes hinges are... I think the norm where they were an upgrade, it was like full extension hinges when they first came out. Yeah. You can either get the, you know, the typical standard extension, or you can get the upgraded full extension until now full extension is standard. Then it became, well, Oh, we've got soft clothes. That's an upgrade. Now it's a standard soft close hinges, soft close draw slides. I like it on the drawers, not necessarily the doors, uh -huh. but 
I find that in my house, I don't have anything soft clothes because it was before soft clothes. Uh-huh. And it's the drawers slamming closed because they're self clothes. Yeah. Right. That right. means they go certain extent in and then they pop, pop right back in. Yeah. You know, they go boop, which goes right back in and they'll make a slam. Mm-hmm. So I can, I find my husband like slam and slam and slam. Yeah. But luckily I have a small kitchen, so there's not too much to slam. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Um, while we're talking about the functional part of cabinet design, particularly in the kitchen, um, let's talk about drawers versus cabinets with pullout shelves. What I mean is that um, uh, we have a choice in the lower cabinets, below the countertop, of opening two doors and then pulling out a, um, a, a drawer. It's really a drawer, but it's a pullout shelf mm-hmm. or being able to, you know, pull out, make it just a drawer. Um, in more recent years, um, to make the more, most useful um, reach, the pullout shelf is really important in a, in a deeper cabinet. And sometimes we even retrofit them into an older kitchen because you can't reach anything. Everything you all you can really reach in a deep, nice, deep cabinet is the front of the cabinet. So do you, um, when did pullout shelves become popular? When it went from just being a big, deep cabinet to having a nice pullout shelf to reach everything? Well, in my decades of experience, it's always been pullout shelves. Uh huh. So I would say that that's been around for more than 30 years. Mm-hmm. And what I say about pull-out shelves is this. Whenever you have a drawer, cabinets, with, if you look at a kitchen as a designer, a professional, I can look at a kitchen and go, just from looking at it, that one's more expensive and that one's less expensive. Why? Mm-hmm. One has more drawer boxes. The more drawers you have, the more expensive it is. So again, it gets down to price. If you don't want to spend the money you on a, on a budget, you, you don't have banks of drawers. You have maybe one bank of drawer, mm-hmm. but a bank of drawer boxes, a three drawer base is more expensive than a standard base with two rollout shelves. It's because of the material and the construction and the slides mm-hmm. and everything else that goes into making that cabinet box. So whenever you have a bank of drawers, that's more costly. So it always comes down to price at that point. Well, how much money do you have? What is your budget? I always put in the kitchen. I like options. I like rollouts. I like drawers. I like adjustable rollouts. That's another thing. Does the manufacturer have fixed rollouts or adjustable rollouts? Now, you're... Explain the term rollout, because I think I use the term pullout where you're using rollout. Um, I think they're the same thing. Pull yeah. out, roll out. It's, it's where you pull the, the whole door, like on a tra- most people would know it as a trash pullout, where you pull the whole pull the whole thing out. Um, a pull out, I would yeah. say, would be like a trash pull out with the door would uh-huh. be attached to the shelves. That would be to me, something just like a garbage pail or a spice rack or something like that, yeah. where the door is adjust, is attached to whatever mechanism is rolling out. The mm-hmm. rollouts are really basically a shelf instead of a shelf, 
you have a shelf with a lip on it of four inches or three inches. So uh -huh, got whatever it. you're putting on, it doesn't fall off right. and it, it will pull the drawer or the shelf will pull out, got it. pull out. Right. Of the got it. Yeah. 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 So exactly. So the use of the term um, rollout is actually better for that. So if you have a pantry, I've been calling them pull-out pantries, but you would be calling it a rollout pantry. Whereas no, that no, 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 no. I would call it a pull-out pantry. Oh, I would okay. call a cabinet with two doors and two rollouts, rollouts. Right. Yeah. But let's, but the difference is when you then refer to a pull-out pantry, are you referring to a pantry where you pull the whole thing, the whole facade and the, and the um, structural shelves come with it? Yes. That's a pull-out. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to differentiate. Um, so, uh, so the pullout also, you know, not only is the drawers inside the lower cabinets and, or the sliding drawers, the rollouts inside a, um, a, a tall pantry, but it also refers to those um, pieces that can be floor to ceiling and be a whole pantry's worth of storage that you pull out, or it can be under the countertop. It can be, if, if there's like six inches or 18 inches of extra space in your design, you can add the spice pullout which is, you know, you pull out the front of it and all the spices are, you know, are displayed beautifully. Um, or you can even put, you know, some small appliances on a, on a wider pullout and things like that. Um, what are, when are you most likely to suggest the use of a pullout cabinet versus a traditional cabinet where the doors open and the, the, the uh, shelves roll out? I would put a pullout I would keep those cabinets narrow. Mm -hmm. I would not do a wide pullout because technically if you're standing there and you're pulling out everything that's attached to that cabinet, the doors, the stuff inside of it, the shelf, it's going to be heavy. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't do a pullout that's wider than 15 inches uh -huh. Uh -huh. unless it was a garbage pail. Right. But if it was a pullout where you're going to put your spices and things, it could get heavy. And I just don't like pulling out or me personally, I don't like pulling out that heavy thing all at one time. Mm -hmm. I think it should be uh, um, on, like a nine inch pullout for your spices or for your utensils or something like that. And those I typically find are right near the stove, or the uh -huh. flanking the stove. They could be. Um or near the sink or something like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, a rollout is typically everywhere else because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just, and at a minimum one rollout on the bottom of the cabinet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To reach the back of where it's even harder to reach. Yeah, because it usually has a shelf. So on so the very, very bottom, I- If you on. had, um, if you had a 36 inch space that's gonna, you're gonna devote to pantry, um, of course, my favorite thing to do is, you know, you open two doors and then you have well, you know, well chosen you know, space between your pullout shelves. But if the kitchen was really contemporary, would you consider, excuse me, would you consider using a series of pullouts for that contemporary look? That would totally depend on what was going in that pantry. Mm-hmm. I would have to say, what are we doing in that pantry? What's going in that pantry? What are you storing in there? And then that again goes to the, the form follows function. How are we functioning first? 
And um, again, it's going to go to budget because a pullout shelf with all a pullout cabinet with shelves attached and all the other is an expensive cabinet. Mm -hmm. So when you, you, you know, a, a professional kitchen designer is going to know where to tweak your, your cabinets, where, where you're better off spending your money, where you're not spending your money. Um, what's a better use of your money for the budget of your investment in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. So I don't happen to like a lot of those fancy schmancy pullout things. Uh -huh. I find they are interesting to the consumer because they're, they're thrilled by something new. Yeah. Uh -huh. But as a designer, I break it down and go, well, really, what are you storing in there? Yeah. I have yeah. room for mm -hmm. four lids and a couple of pots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that really enough storage? But they get the consumers get um the gadgets they love gadgets and they think oh it's a gadget it's great it's great yeah. but you're like well that corner pantry pullout thing is three thousand mm -hmm. dollars oh well maybe i don't want that pantry pullout thing like that mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. and it really depends on what's going on in a kitchen i try to put tray dividers i think more overall what do i like to put in a kitchen as far as what i think you need storage for and then i'll add in things that the customer wants in mm -hmm. there too so a pantry cabinet can be so many things it's Janet. true i love my two doors and my pullout sliders they make my day um as you've as we've just begun to tackle the choices and selections that we can uh that we must make in order to design all the cabinetry in our home. We are looking forward to continuing the conversation about cabinetry design with Allison Solar in our next episode of From Disaster to Dream Home. Remember, you can always hear our past episodes by going to www.fromdisastertodreamhome.com. Allison, how is it best for potential clients um, and designers interested in your kitchen and bath design academy to find you? The easiest way to find me is uh, I have my Facebook group, Kitchen and Bath Designers Group. And I also have my website, which is allisonsolar.com. And on that website, you can view my past portfolio from Solara Designs and as well as the, a link for the Kitchen and Bath Design Academy. And the, the link at the top of the page for the Kitchen and Bath Design Academy will bring you into the academy and show you all the things that you can register for, purchase directly, or become a member in the academy. So allisonsolar.com is the best way to find out about me. Wonderful. And so thank you for agreeing to come with us again on an episode as we continue talking about cabinetry. It, it's sort of unbelievable to me how intricate it is, but it is that intricate. And what people gain by having a designer working with them is they don't have to read up all on all this stuff. We know it or we'll find the answer to it and uh, make their lives uh, a lot easier. So I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at FromDisasterToDreamHome.com. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. Even the network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.